Hey there, listener. Welcome to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a new podcast we're doing about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Char. And I'm Kelly. And today we're talking about the 2014 film, It Follows. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made a drink that lurks behind you until you finally drink it. Just kidding. It's obviously just a hard lemonade. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see anything. We also wanted to remind you that we're participating in International Podcast Month, which starts in September. Check out their podcast feed that will be pumped full of amazing shows, including ours, starting September 1st. Holy crap! Which I think is tomorrow from when this episode comes out. Yay! This episode will discuss themes of sex and STIs, so feel free to skip if that isn't your jam. Like how you made the content warning a little sexy. <laughs> you got it when it's this movie. Just a little bit a sexy. I made this drink this time. Like I said in the intro, it is a hard lemonade, but I made it with some bubbly soda water. Oh, Kelly's making faces. I like this drink a lot. You're not allowed not to like it. It's so good. I don't know what you're talking about. People can't hear my faces. <laughs> you're... You're summoning the image of faces in their in their mind's eye from saying that. I was trying to make like summer fun because this it's a Sejep girl or a not Sejep college girl. Sejep. I'm very Quebec here. Yeah. So Jay is the main character. She's a college lady. She's 19 and it's in the summer. She likes to be by the pool. So I was like, yes, let's make a poolside drink. Mm. So whether it's a spiked lemonade drink or a romp in the hay that leads to a supernatural being following you forever is up to you. Wait, if I drink this, is a supernatural being going to follow me? Well, you already took your sip, so now I can tell you. I got to strap you to a wheelchair first and oh, then no. let you know all the details. Oh, jeez. Oh, dang. Can you scroll down? I forget what I called it. I think I called it, wait, I remember. Everlasting Lemonade. Like Everlasting Gobstopper? Sure. Is Willy Wonka a horror movie? <laughs> I would say yes. The first one is pretty sc- creepy. I was trying to say scary and creepy at the same time, which resulted in... It's true. I like the time when they're going down the the river. Heck yeah. But anyways, so I made this drink. It's got Sons of Vancouver's vodka, vodka, vodka in it. Otherwise, it's just a nice sparkling lemonade with real fresh lemons and lemon slices on the side. And because this movie is so about um, lovely sexual encounters and not so lovely sexual encounters, I put the heart-shaped ice cubes in it. Ugh. It's very tart. We've talked about this on the podcast before. We have. It's true. The difference of tart and sour. And now I can't remember what the difference is, but there definitely was a pedantic difference between those two things. I think tart was a variation of sour. Yeah. Sour you would give to like a milk, like a bad milk. And then tart is like fruity sourness. And the amount of lemon that you put in this is definitely very tart. And you said that you, this was like one of our first keto drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I can taste the, like, artificialness of the sweetener that you put in it. Yeah. Which I think, I don't know if it's because you put a bit too much of it in here, but it definitely is, like, overpowering the rest of the drink. Oh. Like, the uh, Sons of Vancouver vodka, normally when we have it, like, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. But not only can I not really taste that this is alcoholic, but the... Yeah, the like artificialness of the sweetener is a little. That's the point. You don't know. Much. You don't know how bad it's gonna get oh. you until it gets you. But I use a like a lemonade flavoring. Yeah. Just as a sweetener instead of just using like Splenda or whatever. I wonder what it would taste like with just like real simple syrup if it wasn't a keto drink and it actually had mm. just some sugar in it. I'm trying to think back when I had a lemonade stand and we put sugar in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if I was crazy or not. It's been a while since I've been a kid. That's fair. I think maybe I should have just done a bit less. I wanted the, I didn't want to stir the drink and get rid of the bubbles because I like the like spritzer feel it has. Yeah. So I tried to mix everything else beforehand. So I just guesstimated how much of the uh, liquid lemonade stuff to put in. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think I maybe I put in a bit too much. Hmm. But I still really like it. The yeah, maybe a bit. lemon overall is so good. I use two whole lemons. Wow. In these drinks. And then a third lemon I sliced to put the rings on it. It tastes like it could be like a lemon candy. Yeah. Like those like lemon drops. Not the not the drink the lemon drop, but yeah. those little the ones that you get at the end of your meals and stuff. Yeah, that's fair. 
I'm a fan. I think it does exactly what I wanted it to. It's good. I could definitely drink this uh, on the summertime when I mean, the living's easy. As we all know, I'm trying to come up with a drink that you don't like. So maybe the next episode I'll make something completely opposite to this. It's true. This is the first time on the main feed that I'm doing one in a while. Even though technically last time we recorded, it was a bonus episode and I made the drink that time too. That's true. And that episode's not coming out for a while. But for those of you who want to know what we're talking about, you got to check out our bonus feed. How do you do that? You got to become a patron. For $10. Or more. Or more. We beg you for money. And what's that URL? Patreon.com slash drinking screen. Hell yeah. Woo! Do you like how I said URL? Yeah, I did. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah? A lot of people don't realize it's not an acronym or anything. That's just a word. And people think it's an acronym and say URL. I think you're lying to me. Like plebs. I think you're lying. It's Urio. Is it really? No. No. Okay. (laughs) So this week we watched It Follows from 2014. It premiered February 27th in the United Kingdom, which I did not know. And it's written and directed by David Robert Mitchell. The synopsis that I stole off the internet says, A young woman named Jay is followed by an unknown supernatural force after a sexual encounter. Give me some of that trailer audio. Help. Do you see that right there? I'm doing this to help you. Just so you know it's real. Somebody gave it to me. And I passed it to you. Look like anyone. But there's only one of it. Oh, their hashtag even has UK in it, which is interesting. That was a pretty good trailer, actually. I like that. I think that was a teaser, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it didn't give too much away. Apparently, for the trailer, they had a lot of scenes where the thing was naked, and they had to reshoot them with the people wearing like underwear or shorts or something like that. So that scene was where she first sees someone, and it's naked, and I was waiting for it to show like her in a bra and panties or something like that. But then it wasn't even there. No, it was. It was kind of a misleading trailer because it it made it seem like what she's gonna see is some horrifying, wriggling mass of a creature or something like that. I mean, what you do see for a lot of the times that you see it is pretty creepy. Yeah, but it's still just a person. I guess it wasn't until he actually says it can be anybody Yeah, that you kind of get the impression that it's going to be a human thing. But she's like screaming as she's looking into the camera at something and you can't see what it is. So you're like, oh my God, what is she going to see? Yeah. Kelly is the expert on It Follows. Yes, I'm the uh, leading expertologist on It Follows. I have a PhD (laughs) in this movie. (laughs) So I'm excited to hear all your thoughts, but I have a question before you go into them. I probably have an answer. When you were doing your fun facts, did you have anything about references to other movies in this movie? I did not. Damn it! Why? Did you have some? Uh, I don't, but I feel like there are. I could use some of them. I know where they are in the fact list, but I picked a bunch of different ones. Oh, okay. I'm just curious, because like immediately in the car scene, when she's uh, on the date with the guy, and they drive out, and they're going to have sex... It really made me think of the movie Monster, which isn't really a horror. It's more of a drama. That's fair. And I feel like there were a lot of other references, but I don't, I didn't really catch them, but it just had the vibe. And this movie has the like style that I feel like it gave a lot of nods to other yeah. films. I think most of the ones that I found were Stephen King, obviously. Uh, mm. There was a few George A. Romero ones. The zombie guy, because it's like being followed by stuff and not being able to escape. Also, nobody's going to be able to know this unless they look at the trailer that we looked at, but is it just me or did that font just look like the Law & Order font? Oh, yeah. They even kind of did like the 3D perspective in the background of each letter. It's true. That made it look like the red and blue. Blue glow. Yeah. Which always just makes me think of word art, you know, when you can make like a a glow and it's like hot pink or whatever. Big 3D one. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so that was kind of weird. I was like, why are they using the Law & Order font? So, are you ready for some thoughts? Yes, give me some thoughts. Uh, so, since this is me, my first thought is how much I love the cinematography of this movie. Of course. Why would I expect anything else? It's just so in the scene, if that makes sense. Hmm. Even, f- like, the first shot that we see of this movie is a uncut 
panning sh- or panning is not the right word following shot of this girl running out of her house afraid of something that we can't see yeah and it just follows her out onto the street back into her house back out into the car and then follows the car as it drives away you want to say car one more time for car? me you're it so canadian it follows that car as it drives away <laughs> But that's not like the that's the not the only time that it does that. So many scenes are just like the camera just lingers in the scene. Yeah. And it tries to give you as much of the environment as possible so that you can like scope out if you can find the monster. And it even does the like slow zoom in a lot and it makes you feel like a voyeur a lot. I would have to watch it even clearer because this was a thought that I had at the end of our last viewing. But I think every time that it's doing those shots where it's like really far away and it zooms in, mm-hmm. it's on Jay. Yeah. Because it it's like we're following her, basically. Yeah, I noticed that from the, especially in the first scene when she's in the pool. Yeah. And then it turns out that the little boys are watching her, like her neighbors, but there's still the feeling of like we're watching her. It's like she's never alone and something's always after her. I like any movie that uses its core concept of horror portrayed through the cin- cinematography. Yeah. It reminded me a bit, we'll pro- again, we'll probably do this movie, but it reminded me a lot of uh, The Strangers 2, which does very similar things of like the camera is stalking the character because yeah. the villain is stalking the character. I want to bump it up because I really want to talk about that movie and put it in season one. But we got so much other good shit in so season many other one. Things. So it's got to be season two. You got to you gotta pepper the ones you really want to talk about throughout. We can't just front load everything. Yeah, got to put some garbage in there. Yeah, garbage <laughs> like it follows. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I like I like when the visual language reflects the the lore that you've built within your movie. And this, For sure. It just feels like they knew exactly what they wanted to show and how they wanted to show it. And it doesn't look sloppy at all. On things that I didn't like. <gasps> you didn't like something about this movie? That it ends. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, because for those of you who don't know, we watched this as one of our like first horror movies we ever watched together. That's true. This was my like, oh, you like horror movies? Let me show you one of my favorites. Yeah. And then you were like, I don't like this at I all. I did not say that <laughs> at the time. I'm... <laughs> I was like, hmm. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom real quick so I can flush this movie down the toilet. Don't pause it. Don't pause it. It's okay. Yeah, it's no. fine. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I liked it. So the uh, composer of this is Disaster Piece, and he did a game called Fez, which is very like this chip y 8-bit game. And the mm. director liked that game so much that he got Disaster Piece to do the music for It Follows. And... When I first watched this movie, I thought that the music was extremely out of place. Like, it's this pacing, scary, following creature, but it's got, like, happy chiptune music. Yeah. Yeah. Which you heard a lot in the trailer. And I'll probably piece some in, as I I tend to do in these things. You do? Yes. What? Ugh. Music from the movie? Music. In the podcast? Oh my God. Wow. I do listen to every edit you make. Good. I don't. (laughs) You edit it. That counts. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, like the first time I watched it, I thought the music was really out of place, but I generally liked the rest of the movie. Yeah. And then each time that I've watched this movie, I've enjoyed the music more and more to the point where excluding one track, which happens when Jay is first putting on her makeup to go on a date with the yep. the Jeff guy. The Star... Uh, I was going to say Star Trek for a second. The Stardew Valley track. Yeah, it basically just sounds like a like an 8-bit chiptune song. It sounded like Disaster Piece had an extra song and, and threw it into the movie. I was like, sure, yeah, yeah, let's use this. But then everything else almost has like a Stranger, Stranger Things vibe. Yes. Which really matches the... Like youthfulness of the main characters and the '80s synth like sound and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love Stranger Things soundtrack. Side <laughs> note. Ugh. And I literally own it and like will play it just to fall asleep to. I'm like, this is relaxing. Wait, do you own it or do we subscribe to Spotify and they have that? They have it on that. Yeah, whatever. That counts. <laughs> I downloaded own- it onto my phone mm, from yeah. Spotify. Nobody owns music anymore. I mean, I never really did. I used to just. LimeWire that stuff. Or what's the really old one? Kaza. Yeah. My third point is, I think I mentioned this probably in a bonus episode, so people aren't going to be able to hear it, but I always like when a creature- If you want to hear it, you got to subscribe. Got to subscribe to Patreon. Whoa. But I always like when a creature isn't explained, 
anytime that there's a monster or something and the people are running and they then like some like oracle or something is like, oh, that's the chupacabra and it follows you and it eats you, but it's one weakness is fire or yeah. something like that. We talked a lot extensively about it in our Lights Out episode, yeah. which is in the International Podcast Month feed. So just go listen to it there. And I always like the idea of when a creature is presented that is almost like uncalculable. Like, you can't figure out what it wants. What are the rules? Yeah, what are the rules? What does it want? What is it mo- its motivation? And if it's intended on just, like, being there and, like, chasing you or whatever or doing whatever creatures do, and you never understand why or what, what it's doing, mm-hmm. it's o- always more terrifying. And as a viewer, the moment that a thing is explained, it becomes infinitely less scary. Yeah. We never actually learn what the entity in this thing is about like what it wants or what it's actually from or anything like that. It is interesting that as it grabs people to kill them, it like has a sexual encounter with them again. Yeah. But it doesn't actually physically have sex with them again. It like dry humps them. Yeah. The one time we see it actually attacking somebody, it's like rubbing its genitals on top of him. Yeah, but it's closed. And Although th- sometimes it's not closed. So if he did catch somebody when he was when it's naked would I, it? Doubt it, I doubt the guy would get erect or anything like that. And it would just kind of like still grind That's true. on it. Yeah. And then it like produced this weird like grime or like goo or it something It just like looked that. like semen. Yeah, which was probably in the intent with that visual. And it also, it pees all the time. I don't know if that was pee. It was either squirting or possibly pee. or it's just a myth. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Or just like some sort of weird liquid. I don't know. It was weird. But then for sure, the first time that she sees it in the kitchen when... It was peeing then. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of bodily fluid. There's a lot of movie. bodily fluid, which is interesting <laughs> that that's what she sees a lot because like her like her big traumatic thing that like introduced her to this creature was more or less a sexual assault. And so like every time she sees it now, it's either naked or like abused or something like that. Which is it's interesting that you brought that up because it wasn't really an assault. It's hard to think of, I don't know. It's ah uh, it's so con- convoluted because she wanted to have sex with him. And yeah. the whole sexual encounter was like really great. Yeah. It was and then it was only consensual. after, then it was an assault. It was a physical assault. After the sexual assault. But also we know that he only wanted to, like the whole thing was a plan to make her have sex with him. But like, yeah, every time we see it after that, it's either a big scary man or a naked or abused woman or naked man on, in the case of it standing on her, her house. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. I think I had another point. Oh, yeah. Especially the reason why I like the fact that it's not explained is it does a really good job of like, as you're leaving the theater, you and your friends can be like, oh, here's how I would have combated it. I would have like put it in a tanker and sunk it or something like that. Or I would have flown to Australia and it would never be able to get me. Just discussing like how you would beat it and stuff. It seems to avoid water. There's a big theme of water that I want to dissect when I'm doing my points. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. It does eventually get in the pool, but it, when it kind of falls into the pool. It's true. I have points about this later on. But yeah, if you flew somewhere, like landed on an island, would it just walk underwater like the undead from Pirates of the Caribbean or yeah. something like that? Because we know it's not even a physical. Well, it is physical because it can pick things up. And it can be shot and you can put things over top of it. But then it can just become something else. If you threw powder on it, and then it changed shape. Would the powder disappear? Because you never actually see how it changes shape. Does it just have no, to be like yeah. out of your eyesight? And then it like boops? Or do you think like it dissolves into a goop and like rises back up as a different person? I don't know. And I think I don't want to know. I think that's part of the it's so creepy by not knowing all of its inner mechanics. Mm-hmm. And it's also like there are so few rules to it that it doesn't even really have to be based on anything. Like when I first saw this movie, I thought it was maybe like a succubus or a incubus or something like that Mm. because it's transmitted through sex. And then even when it kills you, it's this huge sexual thing. And it just wants to like either get you aroused or get you really scared before killing you. Which also I wonder why it chooses what it chooses to look like. Maybe it doesn't have a choice. Because it's usually like family members or people that they've seen before. But sometimes it's not. That's true. Because she always sees like naked people or big men or something like that. But the first time he sees it, it's like a woman in a yellow dress, which is, it seems to blend in or something like that. So maybe he's Mm -hmm. got some association with a woman with a yellow dress or something like that. Yeah. 
but he would have recognized her if it was someone he knew. Well, we know that he picked, because when he sees it as the person with the yellow dress on, they're playing the game of like, who would you want to be? Mm-hmm. And, and it's then weird he, that he points who out who do like, you want to take change places with? And he picked her. So something about that character was stood out or something. Yeah. Drawing yeah, him in. It's interesting. Ugh. I don't know if it's true, but apparently the first time that you see it for realsies when it's walking towards her in the wheelchair, it's the guy's mom, like the same actress who plays his mom later. But then mm. I found varying discussions as to whether or not that's true. Okay. I think it was just a, like a fan theory or something that someone submitted to IMDb. Because you do see the mom. The mom is what kills... Um, no, I not forget. that mom. Jeff's mom. Oh, right. And you do meet her when they find out where Jeff lives. And, and the mom's like, oh, yeah, he's he's here. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it would be easy just to know if it was the same actor. Yeah. Well, there is a list of who played it. That's true. So maybe so we could like cross and compare. And then someone also thought that the when they're in the boathouse and the kid like crawls through the hole yeah. and screams, someone was like, oh, my God, that's the same kid that's spying on Jay at the beginning of the movie. And they're a bunch of people are like, no, I don't think so. Oh, which is interesting that it reacts in that way. Where it like screamed at her. Yeah. And it seemed to move fast when it was crawling. Yeah. And it always seems emotionless unless it's like getting stopped or whatever. I felt like that was one moment that didn't really, it was like breaking the rules of it and not in a good way. It was like, we want a jump scare here, kind of. We want a little kid to scream at you. Yeah. And like, just be creepy in a different way. When it attacks, uh, whatever, the when it turns into the guy's mom and leaps at him into his room, yeah. that's still pretty quick too. So it does, it's almost like it, it could move fast, but it finds walking scarier. I'm, I don't know, because it's not that far. Like, she reaches out. It reaches out. It does jump. Yeah, but there's, it's just the distance of opening a door. Because the guy, I want to know that character's name so we can't be so vague. <laughs> yes, Greg. But then it's only traveling the distance of a door, basically. Because Greg opens the door because his mom is knocking on it. Or someone is knocking on it. Yeah. Um... So imagine that distance in your mind. It's not actually that far. It does do like a jump, but mm-hmm. the distance it's traveling isn't that far. I always considered that it was taunting the people, that it got some sort of like energy from making them as scared as possible. Because hmm. it does show some speed once in a while. So it probably could sprint if it wanted to. But it would be so much more efficient if it did, but it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't seem to have issues with time. I don't think it's under the clock to try to kill these people as I fast guess. as possible. I don't want I feel like analyzing it too much is going to make me like not like it more. I like the idea of having the mystery and yeah. not knowing what it's why it's doing it. I think the safest bet is that like it's a horror movie, so why not just be like the creature wants to do whatever it is that's the scariest. Yeah. To make the horror movie scarier. And because it wants to just scare its victims. Exactly. And then my final point is that I only really noticed it this time because I was trying to pick up different things as we were watching the movie. Yeah. There's like this almost lingering haziness to the movie. All the characters almost feel like they're either in a trance or just like really tired. They all act very like blase and dreamlike. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I don't, exactly know what the point is but it always made me feel like the characters are like easy pickings they're so ill-prepared and like so just blase that this creature could appear at any given moment and catch them off guard i was thinking that it was more because they were so tired from being like not able to sleep and stuff Mm. so then like they become groggy which is exactly what it wants yeah because it does show jay awake pretty much throughout the entire movie until she feels like she's gotten away from it Mm -hmm. and then only when she kind of feels safe is she actually sleeping yeah so that could make sense as well i've got a fact later on that kind of ties into that but I want to save it because it's very interesting. It's actually something that I brought up while we were watching the movie. Nice. For me, it feels like, oh, we're just so relaxed right now. Oh, my God, a monster. And then the parts where the creature is actually acting feels like so like you should be alert when that's about to happen. But you're not. And it always catches you off guard. Yeah. Well, there's a huge moment of that when they are at the lake house. Yeah. To escape. They like drive forever to get there. And then they're on the beach and they're like in their bathing suits and like hanging out and drinking. We don't know if they're drinking 
beer or whatever. They mm. just have cans. Yeah. It could be like Fresca or something. And then we see it approaching behind and it's obvious that we know it's it. It's not just a person walking mm-hmm. in this moment. They do a good job of like making it unclear a lot of it the could, times in the it film. It could be Yara. But this time it was definitely it. The entity as, as the internet refers to it as. Yeah. Which is funny because there's like reference to Stephen King's it in the way that it like changes its shape and stuff and tries ah, to scare them. Yeah, that's true. And the fact that it's like it follows and it. Yeah. But everyone refers to it as the entity. I think oh, even the okay. director calls it the entity. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you through the generous support of local distillery Sons of Vancouver, who provided us with the vodka, vodka, vodka used in this week's cocktail. I always love using their stuff because they use champagne yeast in their fermenting process, so I always feel extra fancy. And it even gives off a hint of vanilla in the final product, which I kind of overpowered in this cocktail. it's It's a little weak in this one. I also like that you're making it based on, like, children making a drink, and they went with the champagne. (laughs) Uh, Drinking and Screaming is made possible through the awesome support of our patrons, thanks to everyone who's currently a patron, including our newest patron, who'd like to remain anonymous. Ooh, spooky. They're calling from inside the house. (gasps) Go anonymous. Not the organization, but the person that donated to us. And an update for all our patrons, your stickers have finally arrived in Vancouver and will be shipped out to you soon. Holy cow! So expect them when you least expect them. <laughs> what? Um, I wanted to extra plug our Patreon today, though, because the amount of work that Kelly puts into every single episode, I mean, we record, There's, I do stuff too, like every episode we research, we plan, we do our marketing, all our social media um, a lot of the producer efforts there, but then we actually record the episode after making our plan for everything. And then Kelly spends, I want to say, four hours editing like it every single week, which is crazy. And I love you, and I'm very glad. Thank you. But it's- that's his billable hours, and, <laughs> and I don't pay him anything because... <laughs> Nothing at all. We have no monies. (laughs) If you donate enough, maybe I'll go to school to learn how to edit podcasts faster. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, though, the other side is that if you do become a patron, we got super cool rewards for helping us out, including original drink recipe cards, bonus episodes, Discord titles and colors, and even a fancy cocktail recipe book. I take pictures of all these drinks when we make them. And you post them on Instagram, question mark? Some of them I do, but some of them I don't. So if you really want to see them all, become a patron. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about Instagram, you should follow us. Instagram and Facebook at Drink and Scream. Twitter at Drink underscore Stream. Drink underscore Scream. And email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. And make sure to rate us on iTunes so that we can grow and become a more powerful podcast that destroys Joe Rogan and the others. One podcast to rule them all. Seriously, every rating that we get on iTunes is a huge boost to our SEO or whatever iTunes uses. So if you just took a moment to open up your iTunes and review us, hit that hit that last star. That's how you unlock the bonus stages. Hell yeah. You can also join us on Discord. For now, we're cozying up with our partner, Super Hopped Up. So check out bit.ly slash Hopped Up Discord. You'll still get your titles and colors and stuff if you're a patron, um, which we'll also pass over once we actually do make a drinking and screaming Discord. Once we got a big enough fan base. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll be shouting into the void right now, just (laughs) like we're doing with this podcast. (laughs) I'm I'm sure people are listening. You hear that, Jeffrey? Okay, I got a nice little uh, promo for you to listen to. It's a lady podcast. You've heard it before if you've listened to our episodes. It's Spoop Hour. Hey, this is Sasha and Courtney from the podcast Spoop Hour. We are a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two certified Halloweenies who laugh through our fear of literally everything. 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 <laughs> you can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour, S-P-O-O-P-H-O-U-R, on Instagram and Twitter, or you can reach out to us via email, spoophour at gmail.com, where you can share any creepy 
be happenings that have happened to you or people you know or things that you've heard down the grapevine. Spoop line, am I right, the ladies? Oh, the spoop line. So come get ghosted with us. Pee your pants because of cryptids. Just have a grand old time. It's fun. Anyways, that's my facts. What about you? Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I was going to mention, you dived into so well. Ooh, thank you. But I have two things that I do want to kind of discuss. The symbolism for it being an STI seems to be like a very accepted understanding of the film. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's more the stigma that follows the STIs like than the actual know. STI. Yeah. Or like trying to keep it a secret or whatever. Exactly. Because especially you mentioned like how Jay always sees it and it, it looks like it's naked people or tall, scary men. But it's not even just naked people. Most of the time they're like disheveled or mm-hmm. like injured looking or sickly. And like a lot of the time they're doing things that are embarrassing, like peeing on themselves while they're walking towards her. Or like their eyes are sunken or they're bald or old or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And it's the grotesqueness of such a disease that's phys- physically actualized through all the bodies that it takes the worst form disease, of, you know? Age. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting because it kind of shows like you get it from having sex and Jay had sex for the first time. So she has lost her like innocence or her virginity yeah. or whatever. There's huge symbolism of like losing your childhood. Yeah. She's a huge fan of swimming and stuff. And then the pool outside is like her safe haven. Unless you're going to mention this later. I don't know if you are. That's okay. You can talk about it. Okay. And then like every time she wants somewhere safe to be, she's just swimming outside and then at some point during the movie, it turns out that it like got busted somehow. And it's just like this such a clear symbolic image of her losing her childhood. Yeah. And her safety. So that's my last thing is that water is like so heavily featured in this movie. And it seems like that is a symbol for her innocence, like yeah. you were saying. But it's not even just the pool. Like as soon as she sees it for the first time or second time in her kitchen... Uh, when it's the woman that's like half bra on and peeing in the kitchen. And looks like she was beaten or something. Yeah, it's a terrible visual. But immediately she like runs away up to her bedroom and she asks her friend for a glass of water. Oh, yeah. Which seemed like so out of place to me when I was watching it for the second time. But then it goes to everything else that they do. Every single step they take to be safe again is going to water like they go to the lake house she always likes to hang out in her pool then when greg dies the pool is broken and that's when she feels like there's no going back like i'm in so much danger she even swims out to a boat when she is to try and save herself yeah Yeah. i found out apparently what is it there's something about what she's wearing after that scene where she's like just going to go out to a boat and have sex with a a bunch of strange guys. Yeah. That shows that she didn't actually go through with it. And I think it's something about like her t-shirt or something. Maybe it's still dry or or something like that. Her hair was wet in the car. I can't remember what it was. I read something that apparently she didn't actually go through with it. That's why it shows up so quick after that part. I want to know what it specifically is mentioning that is saying that she didn't go through with it. Through with her plan. There, that one. Finally, when Jay sees Greg dying, the motif on her T-shirt, a blonde girl in a ball is seen. Clearly, the ball is covered by her hair up until the very moment he dies. She is still wearing the T-shirt later when Paul tries to kiss her, implying that she did not go through with her plan to pass it on to the guys on the boat. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. The ball is covered by her hair. Unless it's like... Because the whole fact is about how the, there's a ball symbolism every time it's about to show up. So oh. maybe maybe the fact that she's wearing the ball symbolism t-shirt means that it's still following her. Oh, okay. So she didn't actually go through with the plan to like get those guys, which is, if that's true, I wonder if it's because she backed out or if a half-naked teenage girl shows up on your boat and says, you need to fuck this. The best decision is to say, no, please, thank you. Yeah. I think I disagree with that. I th- the this interpretation. I think she did go through with it, and that the guys just immediately died because they didn't know what was going on. Yeah, because I think the when it, the movie opens and we're seeing this girl, I feel like that's someone that Jay or not Jay, the, Jeff. Yeah, slept with and didn't fully explain to her what was going to happen. 
or like tried to, but didn't like give her enough time. I think she knew she just came to terms with she couldn't get rid of it because when she dies, she's basically sitting on the beach. She calls her dad and says, I'm sorry, I'm like such a little piece of shit. Yeah. Which is basically sees seen as her just accepting her fate because she dies in the exact same spot that she's sitting. So I think that she knew she just couldn't put up with it anymore. It might be he didn't give her enough tools or something because mm. he went so extreme. Like he's had to have talked to multiple people. Yeah. Unless that's how he was introduced to it after he got it also. He should have just had sex with like an old rich lady who could afford to fly around the world and avoid this thing. <laughs> Someone who likes to travel a lot. He was just handsome. Never he could have gotten away with it. go down. Just fly forever. Oh. <laughs> Or never have sex ever, Never go down on anybody. Never. Don't go down on anyone or it will exclusively chase your mouth. (laughs) But yeah, just fly forever. But yeah, that's interesting. I didn't actually notice the I need a glass of water thing. It also starts to rain in the climax. Yeah, which it seems like, oh, this is going to be ominous and like bad. But Everything's water now. They all have. And she like goes in the pool again. Like, why go in the pool to kill it? It's also interesting because... I wish I knew more association between her dad's death and her love of water. Because usually when a traumatic thing like that happens, you usually fall out of love with the things that you like. Yeah. Because you either want to like forget your past life when everything was happy or you just have no interest in it. But she almost still, she still seems very obsessed with water. Unless she used to be like an expert swimmer and then her dad died. So she like fell back to just lazing in the water. Yeah. It is interesting. And their whole plan, like, I don't know why they think that is the easiest way to kill it. Like, they want to go to the pool because when they were planning about how they're going to do this showdown, they're like, oh, man, I had my first kiss at the pool. Oh, I did such and such at the pool. We all love this place. Oh, let's go to the pool and kill it there. Do you want to know the actual reason why they did that? Sure. The director wanted to have them come up with an idea that was completely stupid and something that kids would come up with because they have no idea how to actually kill it. He basically equated it to like a thing Scooby-Doo would do where it's like, oh. let's, let's set up a net and trap it or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's, because even then, like they had all these little electronic devices. Yeah, let's throw some electricity into the pool and hopefully shock it to death. But they were just... And nothing happens. It doesn't work. And they weren't even plugged in. No, they were Although plugged in. it was like throwing the yeah the appliances w- into the water to kill Jay at that point. The but. first one that falls in does like shock <laughs> yeah. a bit, but it's not enough to do any damage. And no. he, he was literally like, yeah, I wanted a way. I wanted a plan that doesn't make any sense. Okay, that's cool. And it's basically like a desperation move. Yeah. They can't afford to like get up, get some like AR-15s or something like that and shoot it. Or like fly halfway across the world. It's just like, I don't know. Let's go to that pool we like and try to catch it. Yeah. Which I think it does fit. It is a big dumb kid move. And it kind of goes with the idea that they're using the water as their innocence. Like they're reaching for their innocence, but they can't. It's so far gone. There's nothing you can do. But then when she's in the water and it shows up, she keeps screaming that she wants to get out of the water. Maybe she doesn't find it safe anymore. She's finally accepted herself Mm. as this changed being. Yeah. Because once you have sex, you're all different. You got to try to find yourself again after you've lost it. Holy cow. Oh, my God. But yeah, that was basically my talking points. Cool. Yeah. That was was a good discussion, I think. I liked it. Mm Mm-hmm. some fun facts please you want some fun facts i do please so anyone just tuning in now i I don't know why you didn't listen to the rest of the episode but shar and i have this tradition where every time we watch any sort of movie we lay in bed and check all the trivia and read them off and shar falls asleep after a couple of them heck yeah so we wanted to create this segment to introduce you into our relationship and today, I have picked all of the trivia facts about it because Kelly I love this knows, movie. Kelly's the expert. Yeah. Uh, so the film's concept, according to the director, it derives from a recurring nightmare that he had when he was a kid where he would be stalked by a predator that continuously walked slowly towards him. And then later, as an adult, he added the sexual aspect of passing on this terrible thing. So he combined like this idea that he had as a kid with like concepts that adults would have. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I like that. It's funny because when you dissected it, you're like, oh, it's based on like STIs and being stalked and stuff like that, which is fair and true. But I like that 
he he just had this nightmare that he used to have as a kid, and he's like, that'd be scary. I'm going to yeah. make a movie about that. Yeah. Maybe he was as scared of STIs. He was a very, like, deep kid. Well, as a child, like, it's a lot of, like, don't have sex until you're ready. I mean, especially I'm a lady, and, like... Don't have sex until you're married. Yeah. And the idea of, like, STIs are going to get you. Teen pregnancy. It all gets, like, very, very heavy on you as a woman child. As a woman child? A female child? I don't child? think they're called women yet when they're children. Well, you know what I mean. As a young girl. A girl child. A girl child. Yeah. That's fair. I, I think I was just told to be safe. So, yeah, I can see what you're saying. My other facts. And also, wait, oh. sorry, just to tie in. As ladies... My feminism is coming out here. But like your whole worth is attached to like, you're a virgin. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. And then as soon as you have sex with someone, oh, you're a slut. I mean, if I threw you into a volcano now, the gods would get angry and the volcano would erupt. But if I threw you in when you were a virgin, then you'd have, you know, use for the gods. What are you talking about? I am a virgin. Okay. We don't have sex. It's true. We're not married yet. Nope. You hear that? Living in sin. You hear that, Jesus? (laughs) Um, I think you're technically not even allowed to live together until you're married, so. Uh, My second fact is, and I actually, this is something that we talked about while we were watching the movie when I was like, oh man, I love the 80s aesthetic. And you're like, what are you talking about? This is clearly modern day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was reading on an e-reader and I was like, no, like all the cars, like all the buildings look like they haven't been updated in a while and they're using old cars. And apparently that was intentional. Uh, the fact says the time frame of the movie is intentionally kept ambiguous so that it resembles a dream. Some of the cars shown are from more recent times. Many appear to be from the 60s and late 80s. Early CRT television sets are shown whenever the characters are watching movies. Yeah. Conflicting te- technology, including Yara on a device that looks like a shell compact, but she reads it from it like an e-reader, including like a touchscreen and everything. And uh, the girl from the beginning of the film uses a cell phone and drives a modern automobile with several modern vehicles in view. So it's just intentionally supposed to be confusing and ambiguous, which is interesting. I wonder if it's also like associating the innocence of like that time. Or if it's like picking out different eras so that people would be like, oh, I have nostalgia for this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I have nostalgia for this. That'd be kind of interesting. I do like the idea that it is very, it's meant to be like dreamlike. And even the music was so unplaceable. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of like rhythmic in some of the scenes. Trance-like. I think literally the first scene is like, it's just like this rhythmic tone that happens until she dies. I even read a fact that said that they intentionally didn't place the time of year either. Even though it feels like summer and you think it is because the kids aren't going to school, there are shots of them wearing like sweaters and big coats in the middle of the day, like when they're having the slushy and she's smoking, mm. they're wearing like big puffy coats and they're wearing um, uh, swimsuits in different times and nobody seems uncomfortable with what they're wearing. Yeah. Just to make you intentionally have no idea what time of year. Wow, I didn't think about that at all. That's so true. Because it does kind of feel like kids on summer break get attacked by this creepy sex monster. But yeah. it's just this weird lingering malaise of these kids being chased by it because they do even go to class yeah they do too yeah but but then they're also like staying up until 3 a.m but crack of dawn yeah they only really go to class when it seems narratively necessary uh my next fact is jay and kelly who's the two sister leads yep uh their mom's face is never shown i was wondering about that there's like shots of her passed out in bed there's even shots of her like talking to the kids but it's not showing her face ever huh I wonder why they did that. Yeah, I have no idea. Maybe it's a Charlie Brown situation. What does that mean? I don't think they ever show adult faces in Charlie Brown either. Oh. And they always go. Yeah. Right, right, right. But we did see it take forms of adults. Yeah. And we did see. There is a teacher. There is a teacher. We see adults. It's just. Yeah. You never see the The mom's face. It's almost like to represent her like depression now that her husband's dead. Because it shows her as like an alcoholic who passes out in the middle of the day and her husband is dead. Yeah. And my final fact before I get into special secret fact zone Ooh. is that Jay is short for Jamie and it's a tribute to Scream Queen Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey, from Halloween. Mm-hmm. And in the film, Jay has a sister named Kelly and Jamie Lee Curtis also has a sister named Kelly Curtis. Ha! So they're the, the Lee Curtis or the Curtis sisters. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
All right, what is this uh, super special secret fun fact? So the director is relatively quiet about this, but a lot of people continuously ask him, like, what are the creature's rules? And he's said a few of them in both the movie and in interviews, but he doesn't want to create, like, a compendium of how how this monster works. I've got three of them written down here. So the first one is that the director has said in an interview that the monster could potentially board a plane in order to follow the cursed person. That makes sense. So if you, like, flew to Australia... It's not just going to walk across the water to get to you. It'll board a United plane. and Oh, I see. It doesn't it wouldn't need have to, to get on plane. the... I see. Yeah. Well, it does say it's smart. Like, the film does mention it's smart. It's slow, but it's smart. Yeah. So maybe it was hopping on some trains once in a while to get closer. Because mm. they drove for days, basically, to get to the beach house. And then it managed to walk there in what kind of felt like maybe three days but they could have been there for like a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, we don't know. The time frame is so fucked up. But yeah, it's interesting that it's smart enough it could hop on transit to get to you. Second one, he said that neither a condom nor same sex, same gender sex would stop the monster and that the curse would still be passed. Which is interesting because we only saw heterosex. Yeah, it's because they're teams. Yeah. But yeah, people were like, well, just, uh, just become gay and it'll, it won't, find you and he's like well it's not heteronormative heck also, yeah which also like when she first gets it you were like asking if the person needed to come or or if it could be in the butt or whatever yeah and I was like I think as long as you feel like you've had sex you're gonna be cursed yeah so like the whatever you consider sex would probably cause it to curse you which leads into the final one which was people were suggesting like what if you just purely stick to hand stuff or whatever. He was actually going to have a scene where the kids are basically like moving slowly one step at a time and like checking to see if that passed the curse along. Oh. So they would like touch a boob and be like, did it work? And then they would like do some hand stuff and be like, did it work? Um, but he thought that was stupid and did not include that scene. I feel like that would be too dangerous to try. Yeah. You're just like sitting at the end of the road, looking at it, just dry humping and seeing it. <laughs> Do you see it yet? No. Okay. And also, we did have enough, like, Jeff was almost like an expert. Yeah. So that would have uh, deteriorated, I think, the actual stakes in the movie. And the director even said that, like, the stuff that Jeff says is basically his hypothesis and that he doesn't even know everything. He's just, yeah. He's just passing along, which is kind of like having sex. You have sex with an older student and he's like, oh, man, I'm so good at sex. I know sex so great. Yeah, I know everything. You just came and you're like, oh, did I? And he's like, yeah, that was great. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. That was some great sex then. Uh-huh. I heard that if you do it in the butt, you can't get STIs. <laughs> Girl on top, what goes up must come down. Don't get pregnant. If you pee after, you can't get pregnant because it's all the same holes. Hey, ladies, fun fact, always pee after you bang. Because then you won't get pregnant. No, because <laughs> if you get preg- if you have sex on your period, you also can't get pregnant. That's are not these true all- either. Are these all right? No, those are all wrong. But for real, you should pee every time you have sex or after or during if that's your thing. If but because it. you'll um, get some some help with fighting against yeast infections, my my dear friends. So do that. Safe sex. <clears throat> but you can't get pregnant unless the girl comes. That's right, right? No, but I think it's true that that does help you actually get pregnant because the muscles contracting will help the sperms go all the way to in. You ready for some final thoughts? I, yes, please save me from this hell that I've created. All right. I'm really glad that we got to watch this again for the podcast. I mean, I was the one that put it on the list, but (laughs) I put it on the list because I knew how much you love it and Mm -hmm. how much you want want to talk about it. And I associate with you, so I'm happy that you introduced it to me back in the day and that you got to introduce it to all our listeners. I definitely feel like I liked it a lot more this time watching it, Mm -hmm. which I think is partly because I've seen a lot more horror and I've fallen in love with the genre more and I think my tastes have evolved, but also because you get so much more out of watching it again, knowing the story. It's really worth a second watch. 
Yeah, especially in the early parts where you don't even see it. Yeah, there's so many more layers for you to uncover. And Jeff's like weird insanity kind of makes a bit more sense when you know what it is that's chasing him. Yeah. It yeah, is also, I'm glad I watched it. It also uses a lot of good horror tropes, which I think like if you if you are a huge fan of the the genre, you notice a lot more. So I'm glad that you liked it better now that you're you're so abreast on the horror tropes. Yeah. Also, What's your fun fact or final thought? Uh, so I've seen this movie like maybe four times now. Um, half also when I was passed out in a bathroom and I could hear it through the door. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to go with like the cliche of like, I noticed something different each time. Because that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think at this point I understand or I've seen everything in the movie and I'll be able to pinpoint all of the aspects of it. But I do have a different appreciation for it each time. And this, my final thought of it is that it's just a really solid, tight horror experience. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be a horror classic for the rest of time. I do find it interesting they have two different versions of the cover. Have you seen the, the cover art for this film? I've seen the one of her in the wheelchair. So there's, okay, maybe there's three then. There's the wheelchair one. There's also the car Oh, yeah, I've seen that one, too. And it follows on top. But then there's the other one that's, like, completely different. And it's her, it's a cartoon. It's very slasher-esque, like Friday the 13th. You just see a rearview mirror of a car, and you see a Jay's eyes there looking scared. And It Follows is written in red and uh, in, like, a very slasher-esque, like, 80s trope. I think you can find it if you go on their Wikipedia. Oh, wow, yeah, it's, like, classic. It's even got the off-yellow... Or the whitish yellow edges to it. Yeah, and the drawing style. It's very, very cool. It's very 80s. Mm-hmm. So I think it really was going for that homage, which I liked. Every cover, even you can't pinpoint what time it's from. <laughs> it's just supposed to be all dreamlike. I like the cover that emphasizes it. So you're like, oh man, I love it. Follows? <laughs> oh. Well, that's been It Follows, a movie about innocence lost, confidence gained, and scary tall people. Like me! Yeah. Oh my God, you're different now. (laughs) Next week, we'll be watching the Alfred Hitchcock classic, Psycho. Psycho? Holy crap! Psycho? And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah!